0: basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including two bats that are no longer friends, an eyeball mutated by radiation, a Godzilla with a broken arm, so if he hits you with his arm cast, it'll hurt more, and a haunted skee-ball machine that when you tell the adults it's haunted, no one will believe you. I'm Mikey McCaller.
1: I'm Roxy Polk, and I'm worried about those bats no longer being friends.
0: Oh it was God, a sad things. one, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it sure was.
0: Uh, they're both zombie bats, which makes it worse. Oh, no. Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest thing we saw this week. What went down in your life outside of this scary basement that spooked you to your bones?
1: Um, I don't know about you, Mikey. Uh, I don't get jealous a ton, but I was really jealous— this past mm. week about something very specific uh, and made me feel sad and bad. And that's oh. the scariest part of all.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, those are scary feelings.
1: So I uh was taking a plane trip to visit my folks. And while I was on this plane trip, there was like several groups of different girls who were all friends going on like girls trips. You know, like the thing that you mm. would see in a movie that's like that stereotypical, like these five girls, they're all like hot with like, Different personalities, and they're having a great time, like, screaming. They're having the time of their life. Um, and I was just like, man, I've never gone on a trip like that before. And also, I didn't think this was real. And also, why is there three different groups on this plane? What is happening right now that I don't understand?
0: Couple couple of things, real quick. Number one, I thought it would have been funny if you went up to them and went, like, wherever you're going, don't go. Danger <laughs> lurks ahead.
1: It could have been the Harbinger. ruin their whole trip. And then... It,
0: it made me realize, how many harbingers do you think are just jealous of the teens going up to stay in the mountain for a week with their friends?
1: Oh, my God. It makes so much sense now. I can't it believe we're only so like, just figuring sense. this out now. Oh, my God. And also, I missed my shot, Mikey. Three teams, like three sets of teens. I could have spooked and ruined their <laughs> weekends or at least put a uh, shadow over their weekends that maybe something would happen.
2: Uh, God damn
1: done. it. Let That's
0: me tell the scariest you what- thing.
1: I missed my shot.
0: I'll, let me tell you the scariest thing that happened to me. I just sent you a text of it. Oh, did you? Okay. Oh, my God. I was, uh, I was oh, my on Hinge. God.
1: I, it's just a thumbnail. I haven't even opened it fully yet, and I'm terrified.
0: <laughs> I was on Hinge, uh, oh you know, God. swiping left and right on single ladies, <laughs> and, uh, came across this girl named Bianca's profile. <laughs> oh, my God. And she has, I don't know, Roxy, you're looking at her now. How would you describe her? Uh, blonde hair. Uh, yeah, that
1: part's normal. That's the most normal part of this uh photo. Her blonde hair and her immaculate eyebrows.
0: Great and eyebrows. I would say Look. her
1: eyelashes are pretty, pretty good too. Makeup but, um, on point. The the her rest of mouth. her it's like unhinged and dripping some sort of saliva goop. Her teeth are absolutely frightening. She has two rows of them, by the way. Uh the first row yeah. is jutting out with razor-sharp teeth, and they're also not uniform. And they're like pulled away from her gums. Also just the mouth just doesn't make sense. It's like I don't too know big for the it's it like happen. stretched
0: out. We'll we'll yeah. definitely put the picture in the show notes, but um it's yeah,
1: too big well, for your face. Here's,
0: it's every really creepy pasta about... where
1: they're like that person's mouth, they smiled at me and it was smile too monster, big. yes. Yeah, too big for their face.
0: So, um, Roxy, you got a picture of old Mikey McCaller, just kind of like lazily like laying on the couch, just like, oh that girl's cute, you know, this one, I'll send her a little message, <laughs> and then you just click the and the next one's just like, oh. Ah! And yeah, I you know, her
1: eyeshadow is pretty out
0: of control, I'd be scared too.
1: That's she does have blue. Like,
0: she has eyeshadow all around her eyes, like warping. Yeah. Very it's cool like an me.
1: alien was putting it on there. Like, yes, human women put this <laughs> on their eyelids or on their face, right? And then just went all over the place.
0: <laughs> I will say also maybe even more scary is her first like hinge prompt uh, oh. is I go crazy for, and she just said, Your big, juicy, thick ooh. So many O's
1: and three exclamation points because this girl had no
0: other pictures on her profile. Um, I take it back. She had like other pictures, but not not of her. Uh, So there was like pictures of a taco and like a crustacean. It's just like really (laughs) unsettling.
1: Do you think this person is trying to create or they are a creepypasta character that was like, maybe I'll go on Hinge and try it out. See if I can make it in this crazy world. See if I can find someone just for
0: me. You're exactly right. This is fucked up that I'm judging her. She's putting herself out there. A creepy poppy. Pop she, op, she wants pop.
1: to like let you know what you're in for. She's being honest, Mikey.
0: Creepy pasta monsters deserve to be in relationships, also.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's going to be someone's thing. It might not be your thing,
0: but uh, just she's going to find if someone not more than if, me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's going to find someone who's a uh, big, juicy, thick ooh is just right for her, and they're right. <laughs> And, yeah, she's right for them, you know?
0: Speaking of a big, juicy, thick ooh, here comes the demon bot.
1: Mikey, do you know something about demon bot that I don't?
2: I'll never tell. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the original 1978 film Dawn of the Dead. Did you watch the film?
0: I did, in fact, watch Dawn of the Dead. Did you watch that movie roxy i certainly did
2: good then you may keep your souls for now and don't talk about my big thick, juicy who
0: <laughs> roxy we did watch dawn of the dead the 1978 film not the 2004 one yes god forbid for anybody listening up at the scary basement door who has maybe not seen the original dawn of the dead what do you say we do a quick plot Rick? Re- i would absolutely love to do that Here we go. We open in a TV news station where pandemonium has erupted as an expert talks to a news host about what's going down in the streets. Apparently, the dead have risen and are eating the living. A greedy pig of a news director demands his team keep a text scroll on the screen, telling survivors watching at home where to go. But producer Fran tells the director that this list is out of date. And you know what? This director does not care. If they take that info down, people will tune out. It's then that Fran's boyfriend, traffic anchor Steve, tells her he has a helicopter and they have to escape. Someone has to survive.
1: We then move to an apartment building that is under siege by an objectively racist SWAT team. The people in the building open fire, not willing to evacuate or surrender their dead. And eventually, the SWAT team moves inside. There, one of the only good soldiers, Roger, meets the only other good soldier, Peter. After putting down a group of the living dead, they decide to run together.
0: Peter and Roger... Roll up on the helicopter just as Fran and Steven get into a scuffle with a roving gang of survivors who are trying to steal the helicopter, maybe? The four are able to escape in the helicopter, flying off to God only knows where.
1: After finding their way through a few zombie-infested fuel stops, the group of four eventually come to a shopping mall. Climbing in through the roof, the gang decides to stay here, since the shopping mall is full of clothes, food, supplies, and guns. The 70s were wild. <laughs> just buy a gun in the mall. It's kind of like heaven, if you think about it.
0: As the group turns the shopping mall into a shopping home, Peter starts to lose it. After a few zombie close calls, he and Roger go out to move some trucks amidst a horde. Soon, Roger takes a bite. This leaves Peter with no choice but to shoot his now undead friend right in the brain.
1: Fran reveals she's pregnant and the baby is Steven's. She demands, though, not to be treated any differently and even asks Steven to teach her how to fly the helicopter in case she ever needs to make a quick exit. In one of their last sweet moments together, Peter serves as waiter for the two of them to have a dinner date. And there, Stephen asks Fran to marry him. She declines, however. With the world and the state it's in, a marriage wouldn't be real.
0: Eventually... A biker gang breaks into the mall, looking to claim it as their own. Again, the humans are more dangerous than the zombies as Peter and Stephen go to war, taking on the invaders with their looted rifles and advanced knowledge of the terrain. In this fight, Stephen is shot and subsequently chowed down upon by the zombies. Tough times for Flyboy.
1: Eventually returning from the dead, however, Stephen goes back to the safe room, leading the horde up to Peter and Fran's hiding spot. Finally, it's up to Fran to pilot the helicopter and get the hell out of there. But Peter is done running. He's going to stay and maybe fight for a minute, but he knows he's going to die.
0: As Fran starts up the helicopter, she hopes desperately that Peter changes his mind. And back in the safe room, as he considers turning the gun on himself, he does change his mind. (laughs) At the last second, Peter decides to live and hops in the helicopter with Fran. They fly off to God only knows where. And that is the original Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Roxy, Mikey, zombies are scary.
1: They sure are. We have a long history with zombie media, so I think you and I both know just how scary they are.
0: We're okay, so we're objectively experts on the zombie genre through our work with Resident Evil. Yes, our work with Resident Evil. <laughs> I feel like this is kind of the movie where like the rules of zombie-dom are established.
1: Yeah, it's it, this is another one of those landmark films that so many things afterwards were kind of shaped by it. Like, I don't know if even the term zombie meant what it did before this mm. movie, even. Feel free for people to message me on Twitter to tell me I'm wrong. But I, I feel like that's one of the big things, contributions this movie mm-hmm. made,
0: was that. And not only that, I feel like this movie, like, very early on, lays out the very specific rules. Like, the zombies are only alive to feed severing the head or destroying the brain that kills them, your dead will rise and you have to be unemotional about it. Like it, it's kind of taken for granted. I feel like in zombie movies that you can say like, Oh, they've been bitten. They've turned. They're not who you thought they were anymore, but that's kind yeah. of a revolutionary concept, I guess, to think that like my friend who was just a moment ago on my side is now against me. Like that's a a, a tough thing to process that zombie movies, Have prepped us for, but that I don't think, you know, the survivors of or characters and the audience of this movie were ready to accept.
1: Yeah, especially because it opens with, like, people not willing to give up their dead because, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, they don't know what they're going to do with them. They don't know what this is. They think maybe they could cure them. Like, nobody knows, again, because... Literally nobody knows, and also nobody's telling anybody anything correctly, as we see from Mm -hmm. just that news station at the beginning where they're, like, giving false information for, like, safe havens for people just so they can get ratings, which is absolute just
0: scum-of-the-earth scum move by (laughs) that guy. We get a lot of that in this movie of people, like, clinging to their past lives, even though we as the audience know that, like, your past life is over. That yeah. has all all ended and it's all different Everything's now. different now. And there's yeah. a lot of, like, reckoning from our characters that's really interesting that, like, Peter very early on just, like, says, like, we're thieves now. We're bad guys. We're the bad guys. And it's just like, yeah. no, you're in a zombie apocalypse. Of course you steal whatever food you can get because you're alive and they're not. Like, the, the the way that morality is reckoned with in this movie is, again, like, the very first time that zombie media had to deal with this stuff.
1: yeah. But so Peter and Fran kind of feel like the most adaptable characters, like they are willing to adapt and kind of change for this new world. And like Roger to an extent, but like definitely Stephen, he feels like very much he, his clinging to the old world is what kills him. Like when the bikers come into steal their stuff or just they don't even really effectively steal stuff they're like destroying a lot of shit Where it's like Mm -hmm. how do you guys even survive this long you're not even like (laughs) looting for supplies you're just destroying things okay but one of the things that really stuck out to me was like peter is just looking to not have them notice them and just have them drive off because that's the smarter thing to do there's only like four of you and there's a literal convoy of, mm-hmm. like, dozens of these guys. So, like, just let them do what they're going to try and do and then let them leave, maybe. Or we'll fight if we need to, but there's no reason to expose ourselves. Whereas Stephen, like, takes the first pot shot and makes them discovered because he's, like, this is mine. This is our stuff. They're stealing our stuff. Yeah. When it's, like, you've been stockpiling everything. Anything you could ever need, you'll have. And if you don't, mm-hmm. like, you can go and find it later, I guess. But he's just, like, so st- stuck onto that fact that it's, like, this is our mall. This is our stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they can't take it. I can't let them get away with it. And it's like the beginning of the end, and it's what gets him into a situation
0: where he gets shot and then bit and then turns into a zombie. I, You know, that's a great point that you're making that is kind of making me realize how, like, our four characters are all adapting. Because you're right when you say that Fran and Peter are adaptable. And they, not yeah. surprisingly, are the ones who survive. Yep. But then we have Steven, who clings to the old world and ends up getting killed because of it. But we also have Roger who tries to adapt to the new world and just can't handle it. Like, the reason he gets killed is because he's, like, losing his sanity as they're going on these missions. And there's a really great moment where Peter, like, slaps him in the face and he's just like, hey, get it together, soldier. And he does, like, a second before he gets bit. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. We get this long extended sequence, Roxy, that I thought was just a sitcom. Where we're (laughs) just having... Silly, fun time when they first get to the mall. Okay. And kind of really from when they get to the mall until Roger gets bitten, Mm -hmm. it's just like it's joy in a mall in a zombie apocalypse. Like, they're killing zombies. They're breaking into uh, the gun store into – is that when they break into the rifle store and they're, like, having fun? Eventually. Peter and Flyboy, uh, Stephen, are, are, like, kind of becoming friends, <laughs> you know? There's a part
1: where <laughs> Roger literally, like, slides down the banister of the uh, conveyor belt. What is it The escalator. The escalator. Yeah. Where he's like, wee! <laughs> it just slides down. They her. are having
0: so much fun. They're,
1: like, getting expensive fur coats. They're, like, trying on outfits. They're getting all the food they could ever want, like, fancy shit. They can just grab it off the shelf and, like,
0: eat it. And what really starts this joyful scene where roger and peter realize that they can kind of live in this mall is i think you're in my both are of our favorite moment of this movie when the two look over the edge and what do they say roxy
2: it's christmas time down there buddy that city brother
1: the line just... delivery and like the music it's so funny it cracked me up so much I like clipped it and sent it to Mikey and like put it on Twitter. Like,
0: it's, it's the best. Fat city brother. And it's just it's such it, the way you're exactly right. The way he says it is hilarious. He just goes, "It's Fat City brother." Like <laughs> like what? <laughs> As though it's the most normal thing to say. But it's just like it's a very intuitive phrase that I've found myself using in real life. And I'll tell you when. And oh
1: really? Why. Okay. That that makes you so happy. You have no idea, Mikey.
0: Because it just feels like when it's just, like, it's all laid out before you and you get to just go nuts. Like, you've got an entire weekend. You've got your pizza you ordered just got here. You've got a 12-pack of sodas in the fridge. Mm-hmm. It's Fat City, brother. Like, you just truly, got, you just truly. got it all before you. I, I Like, it feels like I, I've thought about it a lot in terms of food. Uh, it, when uh-huh. you go to a buffet, you know, it's Fat City, brother. Um, but even just, like, in terms of friends, you know, you got all your four main friends, best friends together. And you're all going out for a drink and like somebody comes down and they set down the first round and you're just like it's Fat City brother. Like we've got a whole night ahead of us of just joviality. Hell yeah. It's Fat City brother.
1: Truly and they have like months to just go nuts at them all and mm-hmm. make their Fat City brother dreams come true.
0: And you can tell like not only with the characters having fun, but you can tell that like I feel like George Romero the director is having a lot of fun in this movie too. He
1: did and like he purposely Things that you think, like, was that meant to be funny? It is. And, like, I wasn't sure until literally the uh bikers throwing cream pies in the faces of the zombie scene. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yes, it's all on purpose. It is. Which is absolutely bananas. I was like, I, I don't think I've seen this movie before. But if I did, I didn't remember this. Because... Why does nobody talk about that scene, Mikey? I don't think whenever I've heard people talk about this movie, I've ever heard them talk about the fact that there is a Looney Tunes slapstick section where they're just throwing cream pies in the faces of the zombies.
0: That is very funny. There's <laughs> also this – so, there, like, not only do we get this extended sitcom moment with uh-huh. our, our friends, and there's really no heightened conflict. Like, I kept expecting – like, I, I was even kind of doing the zombie movie math that ends up not really playing out. It was like, who's going to be the asshole – who, like, betrays his friends to save his own ass.
1: Yeah, because, like, Stephen is kind of petty and, like, shitty. And, like, he doesn't want to help Fran. Like, for instance, she's like, I need a gun. And he's like, you don't need a gun. And mm-hmm. Peter's like, yes, she needs a gun. She's by herself here. Peter always treats her with mutual respect. And, like, mm-hmm. Stephen doesn't.
0: Well, but that's what I mean when I say that it's, like, it's sitcom It's, like, the characters yeah. are bumping up against each other, but nobody has bad intentions. Yes. Nobody yeah. turns evil. They're all, like, on the same side throughout the entirety. And as they're losing people, it's really sad. There's nobody yeah. – like, there's no, like, thrilling zombie kill moments in this. I feel like there's always uh, – zombie movies of today have the moment where, like, the general who's willing to kill his friends to escape himself – when he finally gets the zombies like the zombies overtake him, it's like, fuck yeah, we love it. Yeah. it's like with our four main characters, they're just all really likable. They just all like each yeah. other. They all want what's best for each other, but they're just like they're just like normal people who are butting up against yeah. each other. It's really satisfying. And it's f- satisfying to see them have fun in the mall. Yes, There's it's like very cathartic. Really There's fun... something
1: very cathartic about what
0: they get to do. <laughs> There's this whole bit where Peter like grabs a cart. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like piling it full of shit. And yep. Roger's like, are you going to carry that past the zombies? He's like, I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. It's silly and fun. And then... Once Roger gets bitten, that is, like, the fulcrum on which this movie pivots. Because what I noticed then is Peter is no longer carrying stuff in the cart. Now he's carrying Roger in the cart.
1: Yeah, and, like, they're trying to accommodate him. Like, they go to the arcade. They go to, like, get food and stuff. He, like, Mm -hmm. tries on a hat. I remember when he's in, like, the wheelbarrow and everything. So they're, like, trying to accommodate him as best they can. But they, like, all know that's looming. And they have no idea Mm -hmm. when it's going to hit until it gets real bad. Like, they're giving him morphine and stuff in between or, mm. like he'll be in pain sometimes,
0: and he has this really heartbreaking moment where he's just like, "We whipped him, didn't we?" And he's like, "We sure did, buddy." And then that's when he goes like, "I'm gonna try not to turn," and we're just like, "Sweetheart, yeah, buddy. yeah that's not You're how it works." And then works. also the wasn't
1: moments- that like they literally do a Devo quote back to each other? Is it gonna be like we whipped him, buddy, and then he said, "Whipped him good"? Like they literally do like a <laughs> Devo quote to each other,
0: <laughs> and then they just do like a little boogie to. Da-na-na-na-na. Yep. Cute. After they kill Roger, yeah, we get this moment where they almost try to have fun again. Like that's when they go and like try on clothes and like Peter puts on a new coat, and it feels almost perverse.
1: Yeah, and that's when they do the dinner,
0: right? And that's when the dinner happens too. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's when I like really started to love not started to love Fran, and was an awesome character throughout. When it was like really clear, like Fran was saying, like we. The old world is dead. I can't marry you. Our friend is dead. Like, it's not, like, marriage doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and, like, when
1: she asked to, like, be taught how to fly the helicopter, she's like, in case we have to leave. And she's always the one, like, even when they landed on the mall, she's like, okay, we have to get in and get out. Like, we Mm -hmm. shouldn't stay here. But then all of the boys are like, fat city brother, let's stay here. (laughs) <laughs> but which like maybe it does make sense where you can be like yeah she was being a little too hesitant but then yeah there does come a point where it's like you need to be prepared for things to go bad or maybe you should just leave because this isn't going to be safe forever there's more and more of the zombies showing up eventually there's going to be too many and she's the only one thinking about it you get the sense that like Peter would be ready to go whenever but like Stephen is just clinging to that and since Stephen yes. means a lot to Fran you know she's kind of trapped in there too she's not going to like abandon him especially not when they've got a kid now
0: well, she has this incredible line when they, like, realize, you know, post-Roger's death, she's just like, what has this turned us into? She's, yeah. like, realizing, like, what have these creature comforts done for us? Like, what we yeah. have oh been doing God, is ignoring scene. the world.
1: Yeah. That scene, too, is, like, they're at the dinner table. Stephen turns on the TV, hoping there's going to be, like, a warning about where they can go to evacuate or any sort of news or anything. And she's just, like, it hasn't changed in, like, a month. Like, there's going to be nothing mm-hmm. there. And so she turns it off. And then he just, like, literally, like a zombie, like, shuffles over there, turns it on, and just stares at it. And she's just, mm-hmm. like, what the f- what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and then it feels so bad, too, because Peter's just, like, third wheeling it over there. Like, I don't mm, – okay, you guys right. <laughs> deal with it. I don't know what to do over here.
0: Well, this kind of gets us into the big idea of the movie. Yes. And why I think it's, like – Listen, what I think is funny about this movie is how on the nose a lot of its subtext is. It's Mm -hmm. like, this movie is about, like, capitalism has turned us into zombies, right? Like, it's not subtle, and that's very funny. But there is also this undercurrent that I'm really, really interested in, that, like, when your situation changes, the ones who survive are the ones who are capable of looking at it through logic and are capable of leaving behind the emotion. And that's something that they talk about throughout, this idea that, like, We have to, uh, uh, I mean, there are like experts, that expert who opens the show and who they watch on TV halfway through is just like, we can't be emotional about this. You can't treat your dead with respect anymore, or you will die too. We can't be, the only way we're going to get through this is if we're logical. And the way that these people are still clinging to their old lives is very emotional.
1: Yeah, I guess it's a way that they can't separate. Like, it's fine to still be emotional and feel those feelings about it, but you also need to do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a lot of these people can't do that so it's like you have to pick one or the other i guess in order to function
0: um and and that's why i like get that middle ground i think i kind of disagree with the movie's central thesis like it seems like to me i got a a bunch of evidence that like they're idealizing this notion of people who can logically disconnect from their feelings and act as they need to yeah and i don't agree i think that that's tough. But like, I think that movie is like, or or rather that this movie is articulating its point very well. It just happens to be a point I don't agree with.
1: For me, it was more about adaptability because Fran never feels like she kind of loses her emotion in these things. She feels like she has her head on, head screwed on, right? Um, There is like a point kind of when they first get there and things go bad at the beginning where like, who wouldn't freak out? And -hmm. she's just like a normal person, you know? Roger and Peter are SWAT guys. So they're like trained for stuff like that. And then Steven, he's like a pilot, so he's not really trained for that stuff either. He's more of a normal person. But like, so she's kind of our most viewpoint character because she's the most normal, I'd say, out of everyone Mm -hmm. on the crew. She still at the last minute is holding out hope that Peter's going to join her on the plane. And like, Mm -hmm. the smart thing to do would be to go and leave him, but she doesn't. She waits until literally the last second. That's true. So I'd say, like, I do agree with. Your point that I think they are trying to say that to an extent, but then I'd say also mm-hmm. uh, through Fran, I don't think that's like the sole viewpoint he's trying to say. That's true, uh, yeah. at least in my opinion.
0: And I'll also say that like Peter kind of goes through that arc too. He's like emotionally just like I'm done, I'm devastated, but then he disconnects from that and decides to continue living. Which yeah, you could look at that either way, really. <laughs> like is yeah. it the, the is the emotion of like this crushing dread? keeping him from doing what's logical, or is this emotional, like, I, I just gotta live no matter what happens. Like, yeah. is that emotion taking over? Like, I think you could argue either way. Roxy, here's a very cool thing, though. hmm As much as we love to guess at what a film director is saying with a movie, as much as we love to pick apart what the meaning could be, this is the first movie where we actually have, from the horse's mouth, a little bit of info as to what George Romero was trying to do with this movie.
1: Oh. Okay. Uh well, let's
0: let's have a listen then. I, I I was given this small cassette tape of George Romero speaking to a class of film students at the 20th anniversary of Dawn of the Dead. So he That's was awesome. giving his, he was answering questions about what his intent was behind the movie. So what do you say? We take a listen. Okay, let's do it. What an honor it is to watch Dawn of the Dead, the seminal 1978 horror film about survivors taking refuge in a shopping mall during a zombie outbreak, with its director, George A. Romero. Thank you for being here, George. Hey, happy to do it. Before we jump into the Q&A, George, what was it like to rewatch this film here tonight for an
2: audience of your biggest fans, 20 years on? Uh, it was a joy. And I'll tell you this, I noticed something about the movie that I never noticed before. Well,
0: we would love to hear what that
2: is. Well, tonight, for the first time, I realized that the zombies in the mall don't act so different from the people at the mall. Isn't that the point of the film? No, the point was that there are zombies now and they eat people. I mean, you said it in a shopping mall. I thought it was pretty clearly a comment on capitalism. No, I just asked, where is a place that can hold people? And the answer to that is the mall. Now,
0: I would have guessed that a director as prolific as yourself would imbue every shot, every line, every
2: choice with meaning. (laughs) Well, when a dentist drills a cavity, does that have meaning? But but you're describing the job of the dentist. What you make, Mr. Romero, is art. (laughs) Huh. I just don't look at it that way. My job was to make a scary movie, and I did that. There's not much more to dig into than that. Although, I like that you guys do that. I think it's neat. Well, okay.
0: Let's take some audience questions. Uh, Yes, you.
2: Mr. Romero, there's such a haunting poetry to the line. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. What's the process of crafting so haunting a phrase? Oh, that was an ad-lib by the actor who played the newscaster. Originally, the line was... uh, Let's see, I've got the original script somewhere around here. Ah, it was... Everyone, there are zombies out and about. See, they're dead, but also they're alive. They'll eat you if you let them. That line reads somewhat didactic. I don't know what that means.
0: It refers to those small bits of text in a museum that explain the exhibits in words for the more feeble-minded amongst us. Oh, yeah.
2: Love those. Best part of the museum.
0: Moving on. Anyone else with a question? Yes,
2: you. Yeah, hi, Mr. Romero. Uh, If Dawn of the Dead isn't a comment on capitalism, why is it set in a shopping mall? My cousin was a security guard at that shopping mall. He snuck us in to film it when it was closed. We shot most of the movie on Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 1976. So if your cousin was a security guard at, say, a post office? Dawn of the Dead would have been set at a post office, yes. And it would have been the exact same movie. Now, George, one aspect of Dawn of the Dead that had to have been
0: more than work to you. It was amongst the very first films to have a black lead character. That must
2: have been important to you. Oh. Mm, No. The guy who starred in the movie? He was just the only guy who came to the audition. But you must have had to fight with the studio to cast him, correct? Ah, you'd be surprised. But no. No one said anything. It was just, like, a big-time whatever. I refuse to believe this.
0: Here we were watching the great piece of art that we thought was deeply personal to a
2: fellow creative, and to you it was no more than a gig. Yeah, but it is very neat that you guys put all this, you know, thought into it. I just think it's so neat. Well, I'm putting the film industry. Okay.
0: Well, okay, so that's George Romero's take.
1: Huh. And God bless him. Yeah. I mean, you can't really argue with that if the man himself is saying it, you know? Uh, You still can. I still don't really care. I don't care for it. I mean, <laughs> we can take away whatever we want from it, I'd say. That's it's the art. beauty
0: of art. Yeah, exactly. Roxy, do you have a question for me?
1: Yeah, I did have a question for you. So our our main cast here, they find a mall to hide out in for the whole duration of this section of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Which has its pros and cons. So it made me think about, Mikey, if you had to choose a place to hunker down in for a zombie apocalypse, where
0: would you go? I actually had this conversation with a friend from high school.
1: Oh, that sounds and like the right a time to be doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what you plan I, out. I also did that. It's not dissimilar from the shopping mall idea, but it's a little it's – a, it's a more specific version of it. There is, in Minnesota, off the – four oh or the 469 it's been a long time since i've been in minnesota there's a highway that travels that takes you just through the middle of nowhere just like minnesota's uh highways are just wide expansive fields Mm. and there's at one point when two highways merge i want to say it's like the 410 and the uh, uh, 694 something. I don't know. I'm just saying two Minnesota highways, I remember. They okay. merge. And in the middle of nowhere is a giant Cabela's superstore. Oh, It's okay. a hunting store. And so it's got this cool rustic vibe. <laughs> it looks like a log cabin. But it is like four stories. And so base four level. Four stories. Jesus. It's got like, it's got guns, right? Uh-huh. It's got clothes. Mm-hmm. It's got packaged food so it's yeah. like dehydrated like beef jerky and then on the very top shelf I like Roxy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they have a cafe they do they have a full-on cafe that is at the top of the building so you can sit in your cafe you can eat your perishables for about <laughs> two months I would a couple guess. months yeah but you're just like in the middle of nowhere these zombies can't get to you it's a yeah field. and i think
1: so it's been a long time since i've seen one of those stores but like I feel like every single type of those stores, like Sportsman's Warehouse or uh there's like a fishing one, like Bass Pro, fish, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, like none of those have windows to the outside, right? So it's just right. like a front door and then probably whatever loading docks or like emergency exits that yes. you would have to block. So you would never have to really worry about windows. Or mm-hmm. things for access point.
0: In my head, they had a lot of windows in the cafe, but just only That would make up. sense,
1: but it's like on the fourth floor. Yeah, exactly. you wouldn't have to worry about that Unless somehow we get airborne zombies <laughs> that would <be> the only <laughs>
0: thing. If they get jetpacks, we're done for.
1: Yeah. Or if Raiders see you hanging out in your cafe with your cappuccino and your little biscotties and they're like, I want some of that.
0: That'd be like those um, those little cuties are gonna get it. <laughs>
1: That's a pretty good one though. That's a that's a good one, Mikey, especially that's because good. where would like, you hide? Uh so likewise I kind of had a similar conversation with one of my friends who uh she ended up marrying a pilot mm-hmm. who also has some guns because they live in Alaska. So she was mm-hmm. like if you come up here we'll get all the guns, all of our supplies, hop in a plane and go to an island and <laughs> stay okay. there. Which like would be good If I lived anywhere close to them now, which I don't anymore because I no longer live in Alaska. So like Mm -hmm. the Alaskan wilderness, there's a lot of open space there. You're not going to run into as many people. It will become cold for a good portion of the year. So you'll have zombies either frozen or slowed, I would hope. (laughs) So that'll be – Their
0: foot speed drops by (laughs) – they roll with disadvantage.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) 15% slower in snow. And, like, there'd be elevation and stuff, too. And, again, like the Aleutian Chain, there's a bajillion islands with, like, little outposts and stuff. So unless we get the zombies that walk on the ocean, and even if they did, they wouldn't know you're there. So they might not even know to walk on the ocean, too.
0: Jesus so zombies? I like,
1: maybe. I could walk under the ocean. I said on the ocean, didn't I? Yep. They might be <laughs> Jesus zombies or they might be magic zombies. Hey, we don't know what kind of form the uh, corruption is going to take.
0: How scary would it be if the zombies had the powers of Jesus the Christ? Uh, where they could not be great. not only walk on water, but they could also like s- make you stumble over all the fish and loaves they create.
1: <laughs> well, I've heard that joke about like Easter that it's like, oh yeah, Jesus became a zombie because he rose again or something. He Which I want to say did. as a disclaimer, I've never been to any sort of Sunday school or. <laughs> Church service in my
0: life. Yeah, really? they pretty much played Dawn of the Dead for <laughs> most of those Sundays. I, I assume services. it's a
1: venerated text that is like <laughs> s- sacred and s- sanctum Is that a word that would be
0: applicable <laughs> here? I, I don't know. I remember doubting Thomas, uh, three times that night said, you have to, uh, either destroy the brain or decapitate the head completely. There
1: you go. He, he knew what it was about. He knew. But so, like, I don't think my island Alaskan wilderness plan would happen. So. But what about a treehouse, Mikey? What do you think That's about a treehouse? Yeah, there's only one way I up. I feel
0: like I would be bad at building a treehouse, but, like, if I had time, I could make it happen. So, like, yeah, if you've got – Have you planning. seen, like,
1: those rich people or, like, super expensive treehouses? There's, like, hotels that
0: are treehouse hotels.
1: I want to go to one of those, man. That would be worth it. There's a it's level
0: at. in the original Donkey Kong Country where they go to treetop town. <laughs> oh, is there? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, cool little treetop levels. They're probably <laughs> hiding out from zombies.
1: I wouldn't. Roxy, that, that makes sense. Hey, if I had Donkey Kong up there, he'd just throw barrels at the zombies and never have to worry about it. That's ideal. This is my de- ideal scenario.
0: Yeah, that, that's the plan. If the zombie apocalypse happened, we're going to Donkey Kong Island.
1: <laughs> Find Donkey Kong, he'll save us.
0: <laughs> Roxy, on a scale from one to nine, because the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement, how likely do you think the events of Dawn of the Dead are to happen in real life?
1: Um, I'd say nine out of nine, we're going to be our own downfall. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll happen. It's just a question of when. And if it is specifically because of consumerism, I think it'll be more capitalism in general instead of just mm-hmm. consumerism, but they they go hand in hand. So, yeah, sure. I'd say nine out of nine.
0: I also said nine out of nine.
1: Yeah, boy, a bleak future over here, but I don't think we're wrong. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately.
0: But, uh, like our man George Romero said, you know, human beings, not that different than the zombies. That's very true. We're already kind of there. Roxy, last week we made a bet. That's <laughs> just very sad. <laughs> Where else we, do we go from there? Let's talk about how we, many people die. <laughs> <laughs> we made a bet as to how many human beings were killed in Dawn of the Dead, not zombies. Yes. Because that's so impossible. Human it was infinite. Yeah. I said six. How many did you say? I said 20. The answer is 26.
1: Wow. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. So
0: like, of course.
2: There were a lot of those bikers
1: and a lot of bystanders. I like forgot how much, or actually not forgot because I didn't see this before. Like I thought I had seen this movie before, but I didn't. Hmm. And I don't understand how I didn't see it before. But yeah, they make like a lot of pit stops and stuff before they even get to the mall. There's Mm -hmm. like
0: humans there for part of it. Yeah, I, I definitely, in my head, remembered it being, like, a low kill count just because, like, I remembered there being just, like, the four people that are there for pretty much the whole movie. Yeah. Like, it can't be that many. It was a lot more. I forgot about the bikers. And, like, the
1: opening scene with the SWAT team, like, holy shit. Like, yeah. that, it's
0: a whole apartment building full of people. Everybody dies. It's insane. Yeah. Well, Roxy, you're going to obviously win that one. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> so. Means-
1: I'm scared. I keep, I keep getting up there, Mikey. Where are we at now?
0: The total score is Roxy with 24, Mikey with 19, Ty with (sighs) 2. Okay. Something will happen at 30. Okay. Haunting.
1: I'm scared. (sighs) But I'm gonna adapt. I'm gonna adapt. Like Fran and Peter. Hey, let's detach from our emotions and just be okay with whatever happens. Hey, I'm gonna be Fran and do both. I'll keep my emotions and I'll detach. (laughs) I can do it. I can have it all, Mikey.
2: Mikey and Roxy, do not detach from your emotions. You must stay scared. For next week, you must review the 2022 film, The Invitation.
0: Okay, so Roxy, next week we are watching The Invitation.
1: Yes, it's the movie The Invitation, not Demon Bot giving us an invitation
0: to go to a party or something, right? Right, we will not sit down and stare at (laughs) the Demon Bot's admittedly beautiful, hand-calligraphied invitation to an event. Yeah, so The Invitation. I'm looking forward to this. The Invitation. Okay.
1: Okay, so let's make a bet for this next movie, Mikey. Uh, mm-hmm. How about the timestamp for
0: the first death in the movie? What do okay. you think? Okay, I feel like twenty minutes in is about when the first act starts, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, when the first act ends, and then we start getting into it. And it'll probably be a kill that gets us there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little later. I'm gonna say the invitation will happen, whatever that means. I've not seen this movie.
1: Yeah. And then a That's little later. That's what they say later. when they kill you, because there's monsters in this movie. Ooh, ooh there, there okay. is a. I don't. Maybe there is. I'm not. You can't trust anything I say about this, because I want you to be surprised by it. Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> I also will say I barely 24 remember it. minutes in.
1: 24 minutes? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 40.
0: 40. All right. I keep the swing big, and
1: I keep getting it, Mikey. Maybe next time you swing
0: big too. That's probably the move. We to both to do big slugs. <laughs> All right, the bet's locked in. All right. Roxy, we've been talking about a lot of scary things. Zombies, capitalism, losing your friends to zombies and capitalism. (laughs) Let's (laughs) end this podcast by talking a little bit about what's making us happy. What's been good in your life lately?
1: Um, So, Mikey, as you know, and you are also this, we we are both artists. And so I used to carry around a sketchbook like everywhere. Like I would literally Mm -hmm. make a choice to buy a bag based on if it could house comic book pages I could take with me to draw mm. anywhere or like my sketchbook at the very least. Mm-hmm. And because of the pandemic and just because I've switched to digital so much um, and because I'm usually like driving myself to a place like I don't take as much public transportation and and stuff like that. And like I'm not meeting friends at coffee shops as much because still pandemic stuff. I have a lot of friends who have people at risk. So I didn't carry around my sketchbook for a really long time And this one I've got right now i've been working on it for like years at this point mikey it's embarrassing to Mm. admit i've been on a single sketchbook for like multiple years embarrassing (laughs) to even think about when i first started this honestly um but i finally like took it up again i've been filling it up with pages and like i'm close to finishing it finally and then once i get to do that i get to buy a new one and keep going that's gonna be fun so i'm really excited about like trying to make an effort to do more daily art even if it's just like little throwaway sketches you know like everything everything helps and everything is fun again with art which is great i love
0: that are you posting it anywhere is it going up on instagram or twitter or anything
1: uh i put some of it on twitter and i should put more of it on instagram i need to be more active on instagram but i do have an instagram (laughs) in fact we both have a twitter and an instagram which this is a perfect time to do a shameless plug my twitter is just at roxy polk and my instagram is at roxy polk art so it's hmm. real easy to find me. What about you, Mikey?
0: Yeah, mine's the same. It's, my Twitter is at Mikey McCaller, and my Instagram is at Mikey McCaller. There you go. Even easier to find, Mikey. Easy. Hell yeah! But uh, what's been making you happy this week, Mikey? Well, I have been working. Uh, Mine similar is an art thing, even oh. if it's not drawing. Um, I have been writing a big narrative podcast. I wrote the yes. entire yes. first season. Again. Uh a narrative podcast and we had our first recording session with the actress who's playing the main character
1: i'm so excited for you and excited for this and just excited in general this is wonderful
0: yeah it was it was just insanely emotional experience like i almost didn't go i was like because i'm not directing this like i wrote it and then i've got a friend producing it and then another friend of mine is directing it Red. so i was like I'm just, like, too emotionally invested in this. Like, you guys handle it. But then I started to feel sad, like, knowing that it's going to happen and I wouldn't be there. So I came at the last minute. And it was just so insane to hear this character who is just, like, I created. (laughs) You know, she came Mm -hmm. out of my brain. And I've been writing her for, like, two years now. And to just hear another human being who is, like, super funny and super smart just, like, have her own takes and like be pitching jokes that she would do and just have like weird little ways that she read it that just like made the character come alive I was just like oh this thing that I thought of in my brain is becoming real and it was very emotional for me
1: that's amazing I'm so happy for you Mikey and I'm so happy it's like taking shape like this you've been talking to me about this for a while now and I've been really excited to see it myself just like not just as your friend, but it sounds like a rad thing that I can't wait to see completed as well. Like, even yeah. if I didn't know you, I'd want to watch this. Listen listen yeah. to this thing.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I love to talk about it in vagaries. I'm not ready to talk about it in specifics yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. something that I will very much be talking Screening about. Screaming from about the
1: rooftops. Love
0: it. I love it so much. So, yeah, 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 yeah. it was very cool. Roxy, that was nice. Wonderful. But what's not nice is that each week the demon bot hires a monster to guard the basement door to keep us from escaping.
1: We're having such a good time talking about stuff I forgot about this. I can't believe you got me. I don't think you
0: need to worry about it because each week we still escape. You know,
1: it's true. That's probably why I forgot because we can just, you know, focus on the good stuff. We don't have to focus on the bad.
0: Uh, This week I brought along a weapon to help us escape. What, What is it this time? I brought along something that's even mightier than the sword. A pen.
1: Oh. Okay. That's
0: right. I'm going to write a letter to whatever monster is out there and let them know that they should abandon their post and let us pass. For freedom is the most important trait and the most important gift you can give another. Okay, that's delightful.
1: I thought you were just gonna write like a mean letter insulting them or something, and they'd be so sad they'd run away. But I like this idea much better. I
0: uh, shall it'll convince appeal to him. their
1: greater purpose, maybe.
0: Here we go. I'll just open up the scary basement
2: door. <gasps> i ah, there! It's Chet's ah, eating me! Oh no! I'm ah, good, no! Ah, ah, ah. Ah.
1: He'll get a Band-Aid. He'll be fine.